a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. I love it when you um, realise there's a sudden dawning on you that um, God's actually been speaking to you about things and you haven't actually noticed <laughs> or fully realised. Um, Matt's talk last week was about um, dealing with hardships and through no communication on our part, we managed to pick a very similar theme and the same Bible passage. But <laughs> it's okay because this will follow on very nicely um, from that. Um, by no coincidence then, um, what I'm going to look at this morning Um, We'll continue. So my three Ds this morning are disciples, dinner, and fish. Now, the main passage we're going to (laughs) look through is the first half of John 21. Um, But just to give ourselves some context, um, we're going to quickly look at Luke 5 too, um, which we looked at last week. So if you've got your Bibles, why don't we um, quickly turn to Luke 5? Just to give you a bit of warning, your Bibles will be uh, put to the test this week in terms of their quality, so uh, make sure you're, you're hot on your, uh, on your reading. So uh, we're looking at Luke 5, um, verses 1 to 11. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret, yep, I always got that wrong, I even wrote it down phonetically and I still got it wrong, <laughs> and before, like, that's a good break for me because I'm going to stop already, um, I want to talk quickly about the beauty of footnotes. Now, I think footnotes are great. If you can see, um, by the name of the lake, there's a little X or a little A or a little B or a 2, whatever is in your Bible references. And it says, Deuteronomy (laughs) 8. Mine, it said, that is the Sea of Galilee. (laughs) Reading the wrong footnote, Tim. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, the lake of Genesis, that is the Sea of Galilee. Now, hold on to that piece of information because it will come in very handy a little later. So, one day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Genezareth, that is, the Sea of Galilee, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat, When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and fitted both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid, from now on you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Like I said earlier, this story gives us a a really good bit of context into the the main passage we're going to be looking at today. Now, the beauty of the footnote, it it gives us that little bit more detail as to where the disciples were. 
This story is great. It gives us um, a picture of their, the very first encounter um, with Jesus. You know, it would have been a moment they would have always remembered. Um, not least because it was their first encounter with Jesus and they saw a, a fantastic miracle. Um, but also because it was uh, the moment that they left everything. You know, this was a, a pinnacle moment in their lives. They left everything, their homes, their professions, to follow him and begin the story they were going to be a part of. You know, this particular memory uh, moment would have been uh, very prominent in their memory. So that's something for us just to bear in mind. So that's the context lesson over. Uh, we're now going to look at John 21, um, verses 1 to 14. If you want to start flicking, I'll give you a bit of um, history to this. So this story comes three years later afterwards. We've seen pretty much the whole of the New Testament's gone by. Um, Jesus has done all, all these amazing miracles with the disciples. They've lived this um, amazing uh, few years together. Um, and Jesus has just been um, crucified and um, and so on. <laughs> you, know the, you know the story. Um, so this is um, John 21. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. That is the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter said, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net onto the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it, and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore, It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Cool. So we're just going to look through this passage now um, and pick out the the key points that um, come up with that. Who noticed the footnotes? Yeah, gentle nodding, that's what we like. (laughs) So um, this is is, uh, just looking at verse 1. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, that is, the Sea of Galilee. The disciples were back in the exact same spot that they'd started out at. You know, this is the reason why I love that footnote. You could have easily just looked over that. Um, you know, this is the point in their lives. They've just been through a really traumatic experience. They've just seen, you know, their best friend, their teacher, the man who they profess to be the son of God, um, brutally murdered by the Romans. You know, they must have felt like um, God had abandoned them and uh, that the story was over. You know, they'd gone back to where they started. They, they didn't know what to do with to do with themselves. So they returned to what they knew. They'd gone back to their profession of fishing. 
um, and just uh, carried on with life. What we need to do is, when, when we're facing hardships, we don't fall back on our worldly experience to get us by, but we fall back on the promises God has given us. You know, the disciples had loads of promises um, that um, Jesus had given them about him coming back from the dead. Um, and they'd seen the power of God firsthand. They'd seen all these amazing miracles. They knew, they knew the power of God. They'd even seen Lazarus rise from the dead and um, the feeding of the 5,000 through their very hands. But when you're in um, your hardships, when you're going through really, really tough times, it's, it's really easy to forget um, the promises that God has put on your life and that he's there for us before and that you know that God's been there and been looking after you. I know you know uh, Rachel and I have just had our little baby Caitlin. Um, I don't know if you know, but um, Rachel's pregnancy wasn't the most straightforward in that um, there was a few problems along the way with um, things like obstetric cholestasis um, and a low-lying placenta. And there was quite a few things that, that kept you know, bringing it, taking us back into hospital and, and things like that. Um, the doctors in particular were really concerned about uh, the placenta being so low-lying, and they were really worried that um, if she did ever go into natural labor, that she would bleed out, which was never a good thing. It, you know, it could have been um, really easy for us at this point to be like, oh, my word, God, you know, what, why on earth is all of this happening? And, you know, it was, it was pretty continuous, like, with uh, sickness throughout and then all of these other problems. Um, it was a bit of a rough, a rough ride for us and a bit worrying. But looking back on it, um, we got back after hospital the week after, and we were just like, wow, isn't it just amazing how God completely looked after this? At, at this point, he did this, and then this happened, and this happened. We got introduced to this person, and they did this amazing thing for us, and all of these amazing things happened. And it was just so fantastic for us to look back and go, yeah, you know, God's really um, good. He's you know, had our hand over this situation. And then another week by, and we were still like going, oh, yeah, it's great, isn't it, isn't it good? But I started to notice actually, a few of the finer points of detail had started to slip. We'd started to forget about some of the, the great things that um, God had been doing for us. So um, we've got one of these little baby record books. Any of you with, um, with kids might know what they are. You, you keep a record of their first word, how heavy they were in their first month, their second month, their third month, what their first picture was, their first Christmas picture. I hear if you have two kids, you don't do it for the second one and then after. But uh, we're attempting to do it for for Caitlin at the moment anyway. But one of the things um, I said to Rachel, why don't we create an extra special page in there of of what God has done in um, Caitlin's life so far? So it's not just for us to look back over and remember all those fantastic things um, that God's done, but you know, it's also a great thing for her to know that you know, God has been uh, with her since the, day, since the very moment she was born. Um, and that's true for all of us here. You know, God is um, looking after us. And you know, it's so easy to forget some of these things. It's so easy to forget these finer details. And when things are really tough, you know, when you're going through those really horrible times in life, what a fantastic thing um, that memory on this piece of paper could be um, for us. Just to look back and go, you know, actually, God has said this promise over me. He has said uh, this, he has given me this verse to take hold of. He has um, done all these things for me in the past. So I really want to encourage you um, this week, just to maybe spend some time like thinking back, thinking of all the things that God has given you in the past, maybe some verses that um, you can really take hold of when things um, are, when you're facing hardships. Because they're it will be a fantastic thing just for you to keep hold of um, in those times of hardship. Um, 
As Matt said last week, you know, it's really important to persevere and keep going in God um, throughout these hardships. There was some, uh, I loved uh, some of the prayers and the worship um, this morning. Um, Chrissy brought a fantastic prayer about God never abandoning us. Um, John uh, brought a fantastic word about um, renewing our hope in God um, in his weakness um, is his strength. Um, and I was scribbling all these down frantically. I was just amazed at the things that were coming out. And Caroline um, fan- brought a fantastic bit about um, what seems is impossible is possible through him. Um, do you see important writing these things are? Oh, because I would have completely forgotten by now. Um, but, you know, it's just so brilliant that God is um, really speaking to us um, about these things. Um, to add to one of Matt's great quotes from last week, he said... Um, My quote is that experts are people who have made all the mistakes. This was told to me by one of my web developers at work the other week, which didn't fill me with great confidence because I just knew he'd made loads of mistakes. But hopefully that meant he wasn't going to make loads of mistakes in my project. Um, You know, the disciples are prime examples of this. You know, they made loads of mistakes throughout the Old Testament. But, you know, we regard these guys as being the heroes of, of, you know, some of the heroes of the New Testament. Um, You know, they'd done loads of things wrong. You know, they denied Jesus. They fell asleep when he really needed them the most. They'd assaulted people and chopped off ears and stuff like that. You know, that's not a great track record to be a hero of, of the Bible, really. But through all their mistakes and everything like that, they kept persevering and they kept going in God. Um, and you know, we are here today as a result of their perseverance of the, of the church being building up. Now, where were we? Verse 1, right? <laughs> Go a bit faster. Um, it happened this way. So just going on to verse 2. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. Now, I just want to stop here for a bit of a, a side moment. Um, I really love how John records um, all of the different disciples um, being here in this moment. So Simon Peter gets his full name. Thomas, called Didymus, gets a nickname. You know, they called him Didymus because he was very short. Um, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee. Nathaniel gets a postal address. The sons of Zebedee, um, who are James and John, get their family tree. And two other disciples were together. What did those two other disciples do to not get mentioned by name? I mean, I'm sure it's like John didn't run out of page, room on the page to write their names down or where they were from. They don't get mentioned. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Verse 3. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night, they caught nothing. Now, that's pretty bad going for seasoned professional fishermen, isn't it? Do you want to know a great fact? Never in the Gospels do the disciples catch a fish without Jesus' help. (laughs) Isn't that brilliant? These are professional fishermen. (laughs) You know, the disciples were doing things in their own strength, and we really need to make sure we're not attempting to do um, things in our own strength, um, even when we're professionals. You know, we really need to let God um, be involved and and hand over um, these things to him. And especially in our moments of weakness, you know, especially when we're facing really, really hard times, um, you know, we really shouldn't try and do things in our own strength because it drains and just um, really consumes you. But, you know, God is strong in those moments and just giving yourself over to him will, will 
bring a fantastic strength and he'll pour this heavenly grace um, upon you. You know, you'd think the disciples might have worked this out um, by now. But sometimes we need the lesson repeating um, before we truly take it on board. I do want to encourage you to, to learn that lesson sooner rather than later because it just means things are harder <laughs> along the way in the long run. You know, I am one very much who um, loves doing things in my own strength. Um, I love being in control. I love knowing exactly when this is going to happen, who's going to be doing it, how it's going to happen, what date this event's happening, and just knowing that I can completely sort out A, B, C all the way through to Z. Um, And one of my hardest things is really um, learning to go, okay, God, I'm completely giving this over to you. I'm completely uh, letting you... um, in, in on this and I'm not going to try and like run this my own way now that doesn't mean to say that I just stand back and do nothing as Matt said last week but we do very much um, need to keep going in life um, in God's strength verse 4 um, early in the morning Jesus stood on the shore but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus he called out to them friends haven't you any fish no they answered he said Throw your net out on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul their net in because of the large number of fish. What does this remind you of? Any, uh, any alarm bells ringing? I wonder if anyone else had ever said to them so specifically, put your nets on the other side of the boat. It wasn't go over to this separate region of water. Um, it was literally put your nets um, on the other side. Bells must have started to ring in, in their minds at this point. You know, they could have just completely ignored this suggestion as just a, um, a futile suggestion of a bystander. They were the pros, after all. But Jesus doesn't say, try over there and you might find some. He doesn't offer a suggestion. He gives them a promise that, in fact, they will find fish where he directs them to cast their net. Isn't that, isn't that great? You know, God doesn't just give us whimsical, like, oh, you might be all right if you go over in this direction over here. He gives us clear direction um, into our lives and speaks specifically um, in knowing um, which direction um, we should go in. All knowing (laughs) and all does help. (laughs) Yeah. So um, when they do, um, they can't get um, um, all the fish into the net because there are just so um, so many fish in the net. Um, one of the main points here is, you know, Jesus' lordship. Um, we really do need to be obedient um, for our labor to really be fruitful. Because if the disciples hadn't have obeyed Jesus at that point, they'd have come back with absolutely nothing. Um, but they were obedient to him, and uh, they saw this fantastic catch of fish. And when they do obey, they don't just get an average um, quantity of things, but an abundance Like before, we saw in Luke 5, there were hundreds of fish. Um, And we saw before, um, also in the New Testament, you know, the wedding of Cana and and the feeding of the 5,000. You know, there were overflowing um, baskets and um, bottles of wine and things like that. You know, God's abundance is something that he just wants to pour um, vast quantities of blessings over us. It's not just enough to get us by. It's not just um, enough even to fill it up. It's an overflowing. This net must have been like completely jumping around with like fish. It must have been a fantastic and a really amazing thing for them to see. He could have easily just done 12 fish because that would have easily got them by. 153. Brilliant. <laughs> Verse 7. 
then the disciple, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed him in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire burning of, of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. You know, Jesus didn't need the disciples' obedience in this story. He already had bread, and he even already had fish as well. God doesn't need us to be part of his plans, but he chooses us to be part of his plans and to bring in the great abundance. You know, what great things we can see, what great abundance we'll see in our lives um, when we are part of his plan. You know, the disciples' obedience gave them an abundance that they would continue to go on and see. This might just be an example of breakfast and uh, feeling quite full at the end of the morning. Um, But this obedience um, was something that they would then go on to see. Um, Being obedient to to God um, saw them the the abundance of the growth of the early church. And, uh, yeah, that's just a, a brilliant, brilliant thing. So, verse 10. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Now, 153 fish is a very, very precise number. I want to know is, who actually counted them? I'll tell you who. It was the two other disciples who were mentioned before because uh, they'll have been sitting off by the boat going, one, two, look at all these fish, three, four, more fish, five, six. And uh, John would have been like, they're not spending enough quality time with Jesus over here. We're having good times, good talks. We're having breakfast. They're counting fish. I'm going to write them out. Now, it's pure speculation, I will add at this point. It isn't in the original Greek, but something to consider. (laughs) In verse 12, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, this is a great story um, that shows the fellowship Jesus and the disciples had together. You know, Jesus could have um, chosen any time of day to appear to them, but he chose to do it over a meal and the sharing of food. That's really important. It almost feels a bit like the Last Supper and how we remember that in communion. You know, it's not a picture of the Last Supper, but like at the very heart of communion, is um, us being with God and us being with each other and sharing it together. You know, there's a reason why we have such lovely donuts after the service, and I'm particularly delighted to see very special donuts today. Whoever did that, nice one. <laughs> um, but it's not just because we're addicted to sugar and custard, um, but it's because it's important for us to share together. You know, similarly too, um, as Graham mentioned earlier, when the life groups um, start up again, one of their core values is uh, to share food together, and rightly so. Not because it, um, it sometimes means you get two helpings of dessert in an evening, <laughs> but because meals and sharing food were a big part of Jesus sharing life together with the disciples and, and should really be a big part of us sharing life together too. So just to wrap up now, the the last verse was, um, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. You know, I really, really love this story. Um, There are so many good things to take away from it. Um, 
just to conclude on, on, on the main things that, um, that have come out of there. You know, when times feel like um, we're at an all-time low, we need to remember um, God is in control, that he hasn't abandoned us, no matter how futile um, it might seem. You know, for the disciples, they've just seen um, Jesus um, put to death. I mean, that's as pretty, you think the story's over as it's going to get, really, isn't it? Um, but he's there to give us strength um, and direction to find the fish we need. Now, the fish is obviously a metaphor. You can apply that to, uh, to your lives as you see fit. Um, the other one was, um, as I just mentioned, that fellowship and food together is really good. You know, let's be encouraged this morning to, to share food, to spend, um, spend time with each other um, afterwards and, and throughout the week as well. Um, and also, footnotes rule. <laughs> if you see it, read it. It's always worth it. There are some, there's some great stuff. There's some, you know, all right stuff. There's even hidden verses. <laughs> Not hidden verses, um, but extra verses floating around as well. It's really worth it. <laughs> You'll really see um, some fantastic things um, that you might not have noticed before. Shall we, um, we stand together? Should we, um, we just pray quickly? <sighs> Father God, Lord, I, th- I thank you that you never abandon us. Lord, thank you that you are faithful um, and that, with us, um, that you're with us to strengthen us and to help us through our really hard times. Lord, you are a miracle worker as well. Uh, we don't just have our own strength, but, Lord, a real heavenly power uh, to help us through it all, to help us through our hard times and through our good times, Lord God. You are with us, Father. Yeah, Lord, I just pray now for anyone uh, this morning who's currently facing hardships in whatever circumstances. You know, Father, uh, I really pray that they would uh, know you in this time. Lord, thank you that you have a plan for our lives, plans to prosper us and not to harm us, and that you are the everlasting God who are with us to the very end of the age. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www. 